Hello, people, and welcome to another Conspiracy 420. This is episode 79, and we're talking about the voodoo queens of New Orleans, the queen of New Orleans, black woman that was a flea woman also in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. uh, who are we talking about, Mike? Talking about the great Marie Laveau. Marie Laveau. She's like a folktale, man. She was married to some guys, too, that were pretty weird guys. Yeah, well, I mean, her whole... Uh, God, I mean, if you've been to New Orleans, you, you, she's all over the place and she's been dead for, you know, 140 years. Um, but you yeah, know, supposedly she married one guy has something like 21 kids or 20 kids. We were well, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of folklore and a lot of it's yeah. not true. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, interestingly enough, um, there, there was a lot of many, many, many years where, it really was just a lot of legends, but I think in the last 10 years or so, there's been some research. They found some records and it settled the debate as to whether she was actually born in new Orleans or not. Uh, she was okay. There was always talk that she was actually born in Haiti and traveled over, but that was not true. Okay. Because they, they found birth certificates. But you know what problem is the magic that she studied was uh, pretty much Haitian, uh, you know, Haitian. Magic. Oh, well, oh, absolutely. She was from a Haitian background for sure. Okay, you know the um, voodoo doll. If, you, if people talk about voodoo doll, the original voodoo doll was a thing to heal people. Like you would make a, a a voodoo doll yourself, and then you would like question the parts that that was, you know, that were hurt to try to get a cure, to try to fix itself. Well, and then it became something so sinister that they used it to yeah. put a curse on people. Well, funny. you know, it's it's like anything else. You could use it for good or bad. But, yeah. but you know, voodoo voodoo dolls and all that stuff, if, if, if you know anything about voodoo, they don't really play a big part. Okay? You know, it's not, it's not a... It, it's not the whole religion. You know, that people aren't just sitting around sticking pins in each shit all day long. But but that was the thing just to fuck with people's head. Oh, yeah, and it did. Enough, and people would be like, oh, yeah. But yeah, no, it, 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 it did, okay? Uh, God, some of the best horror movies, like, uh, remember uh, The Serpent in the Rainbow? Mm -hmm. You know, that was all about voodoo. And uh, that's, that's based on a true story. That's a great movie. But, um, when it comes to Marie Laveau, uh, I've always been super fascinated with her ever since I first went to New Orleans. And New Orleans is like one of my favorite places in the world to visit. Uh, I, I love the food. I love the culture. I love the people. I, I think it's just, you know, outside of New York, it's like, you know, my favorite place. And uh, I got to get down there again soon. It's been too long. But when you go down there, you know, the presence of Marie Laveau is felt everywhere in the french quarter okay the french quarter they've commercialized her it's true okay like her image is on shirts and there's the voodoo museum where you could buy marie laveau stuff and jewelry and you know yeah, all you that. Know, I mean, she's also a character in uh american horror story i was gonna <laughs> say i was gonna say angela bassett <laughs> yeah. angela bassett did a great job you know of bringing her character to life but i think it you know it, it as much as she was great in that season, the Coven season of American Horror Story, I think that was the third season it was on the air. Um, it really only dealt with, and most of the legends really only deal with 
one side of her. Okay. She was, she was, she was multifaceted. There was, there was a lot, you know, I'm going to talk about stuff today that maybe people haven't heard about her. Okay. Um, going to get into a little bit of her, you know, her history, her parents' history. Uh, not much is known about her childhood, unfortunately, but uh, she was a devout Catholic, which maybe to people not, not not aware, but they may think, well, how could she practice voodoo and be a devout Catholic? Well, it's very easy. Okay. It's very easy. Just like a devout Catholic could practice Santeria. Yeah, right. my mother does Santeria and Voodoo. That's it's a mixture of both things put at once. You know? Right, right. But a lot of the saints are the same. And you know, you pray you pray you're praying to the saints for intercession or, you know, yeah. for them to do you a favor. You light a candle, you you uh they have all different rituals. Sometimes money's involved, right? Things like that, coins. Um you know, and, and she was known as a healer and an herbalist. People would go to her when they were sick and yes. she could heal them. And that's that's a that's a part of the, you know, when you think of voodoo and stuff, you're thinking of the evil shit, but it's not just that, you know. So um before I start, I want to mention there's two books here uh that I, I like a lot, and I feel that if you're interested in you should read it. Uh, the first is um, this book that came out in 2020 called The Magic of Marie Laveau. Okay. And it says, Embracing the Spiritual Legacy of the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans by Denise Alvarado. Uh, Denise, I believe, is a New Orleans native. She's very familiar with what, you know, how it all works down there. And uh, she kind of deconstructs the whole Marie Laveau folklore from between myth and, and what we know is fact. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's even some stuff about, uh, you know, how to be a, a devotee to her and all that. And there's a website, uh, called creolemoon.com, creolemoon.com. Check it out. There's even, um, she offers courses on Marie Laveau. You can take an online course, and I signed up for it. There's nothing yet for 2022, but when it comes out, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that course, even if it's I think it's like seventy five dollars. It's just you learn you learn like everything about her. It's very interesting. And then there's uh, another book by Robert Talant. Robert Talant was a famous New Orleans writer. He wrote a book called The Voodoo Queen. He's known for another book called uh, I believe it's called Voodoo in in New Orleans. Um, these, this book is, it kind of, it was, came out, it came out, I think 1953 and it, it's just a dramatization of all the folklore that you heard. And he kind of turns it into a whole story. Okay. And with Marie being the center character and it's, it's fascinating. I mean, they should make a fucking movie on this as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm sure that the first author, Denise, probably didn't like this book too much because there's a lot of myth in here and a lot of, you know, kind of like old mentality when it comes to things. Um, but it's a good book anyway. So I do draw from what I'm going to talk about. I do draw a lot from both those books, but, um, now Marie Laveau, her full name was Marie Catherine Laveau. 
and she was born September 10th, 1801. Now, she's practically, like I said, the patron saint of New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she practiced voodoo, but she was also a devout Catholic. She was a free woman of color. Okay. She died June 15th, 1881. But who was she? Okay. I mean, other than you, the stories you've heard, maybe that she practiced voodoo. Who was she? To understand it, you really got to go back to her parents' time and even before. Now, Marie's grandmother, who was named Catherine, was a slave and was owned by Henry Roche. Henry Roche was also known as Henry Belair. And it's believed he fathered several children with Catherine. Wow. Okay, so he was the slave owner, but he was he was with the slave. That had happened all the time. Okay. Uh, one, one of the children was named Marguerite and she was born in 1783. Now Marguerite would eventually become the mother of Marie Laveau. Okay. Catherine who made a living selling foodstuffs and particularly something called Calas, which is, um, Calas is a, a, a fried, uh, pastry, a Creole dessert. Okay, and she would eventually be sold by Henry Roche and actually sold to two other slave owners until she ended up in 1784 with a free woman of color named Francois Pomay. Pomay. Now, excuse my French accent if I sound like Inspector Clouseau. There's a lot of there's a lot, there's a lot of French in here and I never took French in high school. I should have, but I didn't. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot, a lot of pretty girls in French class, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have done that. But um, after 11 years with Pomay, Catherine paid $600 for her freedom and took the last name of Henry. She became Catherine Henry. Uh, she became a successful businesswoman and bought some land, including the well-known Laveau House, which yeah. is on St. Anne Street in the French Quarter. Uh, between Ramparts and Burgundy Streets. Now, in 1790, Catherine's daughter, Marguerite Henry, she took the name too, um, was freed by her owner. And she subsequently, in time, had several children with a Frenchman named Henri d'Arcantel. Henri d'Arcantel. But he would not be Marie Laveau's father. Okay, as a result of a little hanky-panky fooling around, she had a brief relationship with a man named Charles Laveau, um, and, and he would be the father of Marie. Marie Catherine Laveau would be born in 1801, but Charles is not mentioned on the birth certificate. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Late, late, yeah, I mean, she was with somebody else. Late, later on, though, documents of his... Uh, would be found, and he would acknowledge Marie as his daughter. Okay, he would recognize her. And he did have a relationship with her. Okay, so early histories of Marie cite her father as a wealthy white planter, farmer. Okay, but that's not really accurate. Um, he was successful, he was a successful free man of color. He wasn't white. Okay. Um, and he was also involved 
in the real in real estate and the slave trade. Wow. Right? Yeah. Now, what was a free man of color? Just to kind of understand that definition. You didn't have to be a full black man. You could be part. Okay. Creole people generally are mixed. Okay. Uh, you could be what's called a quadroon. Okay. Which I believe is one quarter black. Okay. So you, you, you know, you would get that title free I man. That was the octoroon is one eighth. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And then you have a maroon, which I believe is half. If I, if I remember yeah. right. Now, um, Marie was baptized six days after her birth, which was the common practice back then, uh, by a father, Père Antoine, okay? And that was at St. Louis Cathedral in New Orleans. Uh, there's a Père Antoine Street, okay? He was a famous priest in the town there at the time. Now, her grandmother, Catherine, <clears throat> is noted down as the godmother, and there's a gentleman named Jose Joaquin Velasquez as the godfather. But what he was, was sort of a, he wasn't with Catherine, okay? He was a, a godfather for hire, okay? okay. Like if, you need, if you needed a godfather, you, they, got you got this guy. And he's like everybody's godfather, okay? Because there, there had to be a godfather. You know, New Orleans is... Very Catholic city. It still is. It was was a lot more back then. Okay, and keep in mind this is pre Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. So this is not even though it's New Orleans, it's not part of America yet. It will be soon. And it was even New Orleans. It was called New France. Well, they, well, New New France was the area of Louisiana. Yeah, area. yeah it was called New Orleans, but but. There is an Orleans. There is an Orleans in France, okay. So they just renamed it. But uh, you know, in a few years, Thomas Jefferson would buy that whole region and going all the way up to Canada, the Louisiana Purchase. So at this point, they're not they're not Americans yet. They're still French, okay. Um, unfortunately, like I said, little is known really about her childhood, other than that. She lived in that small house on St. Anne Street with her grandmother. Now, on August 4th, 1819, the records show that at the age of 17, she married a free man of color named Jacques Paris. He was a carpenter, and he yeah. was originally from Haiti. Okay. Yeah, he was also known as Jack Santiago. Right, right, right. He, yeah. Some records show it as Santiago, uh, you know, a free man of color with the name Santiago and the name Paris coming from Haiti. He was probably Spanish, French mix of some kind. He was a Quaroon man of color, free man right. of color. <laughs> now, she got married in, in the same famous St. Saint, Saint Louis Cathedral. Uh, Father Père Antoine presided over the over the uh, ceremony, and there was a witness there named uh, Adolphe Mazaro. He was a lawyer that was a friend, and local law kind of says that he was one of her many lovers over the years. Okay, wow. yeah. Now Marie and Jacques 
were given a house on the 1900 block of North Rampart Street by her father, Charles. Supposedly, also the famous gold hoop earrings that you always see her wear, that was a wedding present. They were a wedding present by her father as well. Okay. Um, the baptismal records say that Marie and Jacques had two daughters. One was called Marie Angelie Paris in 1822 and Felicity Paris in 1824, though nobody knows what happened to them. Okay, they just drop off the map. Nobody knows what happened to the kids. Uh, some of the records for the parish are lost in that time. Um, interestingly, in, 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 in the book, The Voodoo Queen, uh, they die, the kids. So I don't know if the Robert Talant knew something or he just he just dramatized it. But it's their death that brings her closer to practicing voodoo more. And Jacques Paris did not approve of it. Okay. And, you know, again, this is all just a lot of legend. Okay. Uh, but what we do know is that Jacques Paris himself disappeared in 1824. Okay, so it was right after the birth of his of his second child. Uh, local legend says it was because he disapproved of Marie's voodoo practices. Okay, he believed, uh, you know, voodoo was the devil's work. He was a devout Catholic. Uh, he was from Haiti. He probably saw some things. He didn't like it. It wasn't any part of it. Okay. Um, now her mother Marguerite did practice voodoo. Um, and may have taught Marie quite a few things. Yeah, um, I think it's like teach down. You had it down, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, down. it's it's right. There's an oral history to pass it down. You, you know, mother the mother the daughter. You know, all the way down the line. Um, but you know, Marie Marie was was you know I think from from local legend has her as kind of apprehensive. In, in, in it and not totally into it, but slowly gets pushed towards it. Okay. And then realizes it, that it's her, it's her calling. Okay. Um, Jacques Paris supposedly left Marie at that point and joined the merchant Marine. Okay. Wow. And uh, there was an accident. He was supposedly swept overboard, like in a storm. Okay. And they never found him. Um, there's never been a death record or anything located, uh, but Marie at that point in 1824, when her husband disappeared, became known as the Widow Paris. Okay, that's how she was referred to in the French Quarter. She also used to visit a lot of prisoners in jail, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of the very uh, kind things that she did she would bring food to prisoners she would bring medicine to prisoners uh and there was a prison right there uh i think not too far from where she lived uh in in the quarter um and you know i mean i can't imagine what a prison was like back then it had to be a hellhole okay so you know she was known as as you know treating them she would do that and that came from her catholic upbringing to be that way okay 
Um, about a year after Jacques' disappearance, <clears throat> Marie entered what was called a placage relationship with a wealthy white man named Louis Christophe Dominique Dominique de Glapion. Okay, a lot of oh, names, a lot, a lot of French names going on right there. Uh, also known as Captain Glapion. Uh, interestingly, in the in the Robert Talant book, uh, Captain Glapion is the one that tells her that he died on his ship, that Jacques died on his ship. Okay, and then he ends up with her somehow. There's no, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I don't know if there's a connection between Jacques and him, but uh, he did serve gallantly during the War of 1812 with Andrew Jackson in wow. the Battle of New Orleans. Um, he was, uh, Glapion was in what was called the 9th Native Regiment. Now, that battle was about, even though it was the War of 1812, that battle took place about 1815. And if you remember the War of 1812, it was the second war we had against the British. Yeah. Okay. And um, the Battle of New Orleans is a fascinating story because it happened, most of it happened when the freedom was already sound. Right. The war was officially over. Okay. Yeah. And they didn't know. <laughs> they kept fighting. Okay. But Andrew Jackson was a famous general and he, you know, his his gallantry in that in that battle, you know, preceded him to become president. So that's what that's that burned down during the war eighteen twelve. They burned down Atlanta, right? Atlanta. No, they burned down the White House. The White House, but so some of the cities, didn't Atlanta, some cities were getting burned. Atlanta. Atlanta burned. Atlanta burned in the in the Civil War. Yeah, Civil okay. War, yeah. yeah, but uh, I believe Sherman, the Union Union general, did that. But in the War of eighteen twelve, the the um, uh, the British the, the British the British sailed up the Chesapeake, right into D.C., and not only burned the White House, it burned quite a bit of D.C. Okay, so crazy. yeah, crazy shit. Um, now, I mentioned she was in what was called a placage arrangement. Now, a placage arrangement was commonplace in those days due to Louisiana's law against interracial marriages. What it is, is if you went into a placage relationship, it would be a white man entering into a relationship long-term relationship with a woman of color um, that you could set up a house, you could uh, provide for her care, have children. Uh, generally, you didn't live there, I think. I think that you live separately. Okay, so but... It's almost like having a mistress. It's like having a mistress, but you, you know, it was, accept it was, ex it was accepted. You were taking care of her. As long as she was taken care of, it was no problem. Okay, um, so Marie and Christophe had seven children between 1827 and 1838. That's a lot of kids. That's, that's a lot of kids. That's, that's what seven seven kids in eleven years. Damn. Okay. Now, however, only two daughters would actually survive to adulthood. One would be uh, Marie Philomene and Marie El El Eloise. Okay, Marie Eloise. Notice they all take the name Marie. That's very common in yeah. the culture at the time. 
Okay, now you know what's funny about Marie? She owned Slade too, which was weird for a person that. Don't you find that like kind of fascinating? Or, I, I find I I find that very interesting. Um, but I think it, it it's it's in the history of slavery is is a very tough subject for people to get their heads around. Uh, and it's discussed in very, sometimes very angry tones. And you can't, you can't, when, when, it, when it's discussed that way, you can't get to the history of it and understanding how it was such a part of life. Yes, it's reprehensible. Yes, it's disgusting, wrong. It should never have happened. Uh, it's destroyed millions of lives. I, I, I get that. But Black people had a hand in it, okay, in, in some cases, okay. Uh, there were black slave owners in the United States. They, they were, you know, and they, that, that was, there was a slave trade in New Orleans before it was even America, okay, when it was just New France, okay. And there was a lot of money to be made in that. And, and you know, I would imagine she probably treated her slaves very well, but still were slaves, you know. Yeah. They just have to understand it. Um, now, the two that live to, to adulthood, the two children, uh, one would be known as Marie Laveau II, and she would kind of be Marie's successor as the voodoo queen. Okay. Uh, also, she was known as Madame Legendre Legendaire. Okay. Uh, the other one, Marie Eloise, she just... She didn't have any part of that stuff. She just lived her own life. Uh, Christophe, her, uh, Marie Laveau's husband, died on June 26, 1855. And it's been said that after her death, after his death, uh, Marie Laveau herself became even more of a devout Catholic as she tried to get to grips with that, you know, of her husband dying. Um, and she kind of was... was very devout, and she also brought a lot of people into the Catholic Church. Okay, her friends and followers. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, Marie Laveau, we we know, was a dedicated practitioner of voodoo, and she was known as an herbalist and a healer. By her middle age, she was the voodoo queen of New Orleans. Okay, her reputation was solid. Uh, but there were actually two queens before her. One was named Sanité Dide. Uh, she ruled for a few years. Marie didn't know her. Okay. Um, eventually, she would be followed by Marie Salopé, okay, who Marie Laveau also knew and learned from as well. Okay. And Marie Laveau would follow after her death, Salopé's death. Um, Marie herself was, was as, as well as a, a slave trader, okay, and a slave owner, she was a hairdresser by trade. That's what she was good at. She could do hair, okay? Um, and because of that, she, she had a lot of access to people, okay? And she was, was very well-respected. She had a great reputation as a hairdresser and as a, 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 a reputable person that you could trust. And a lot of the white 
elites of New Orleans were her customers. Wow. And she had access to their homes. She had access to their gossip. Okay. Now, you know, just like a barbershop, what's a, what's a hair salon? It's, it's a fucking place where everybody talks shit. Yeah. Okay? So that's what, and that's been going on for hundreds of years. So forever. So, you know, she would hear about the gossip of the, of the, of the, the wealthy people. And she would use these things sometimes for her advantage. Sometimes yeah. they came, sometimes they came to her for her services. Okay, said you know, uh, she could do everything from love potions to you know medicinal healing kind of stuff. So if somebody in the family was sick, you could go to her. You could get the potion or whatever it was, herbs, whatever. And you know, so so she had rich people as clientele, as well as the the poor that were in the quarter. Okay, so she really had the ear of everybody. Um, a lot of times, she, you know, she had a lot of control over people because they were afraid of her, okay, and so she had that. Yeah, that that's always bugged me out. There were people that would terrify her because she had that legacy of, oh, she's like the Buddha queen or whatever. Yeah. She put a curse on you. Yeah, but, you know, I don't, it's funny. I don't know if she ever did. You know, I I, I don't well, know. The weird thing is, they call it the Buddha Queen, but then she was such a Catholic that it's funny how how she got that reputation. I think because of the city being so Catholic, there there's a natural fear of that. Okay, so you know, you had that that section of the population that was just terrified of voodoo. Okay, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to have, today, but. You probably have people go. I don't want to be turned into a zombie or something. You know how those people are. Well, she used to. She used to have a. She used to have a snake. Okay, a big snake named Zombie. It was called Grand Grand Zombie, I believe. It was called Grand Zombie. Um, It was named after an African god. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Now, to get into kind of you know to understand the way that she helped people, like I said before, with the prisoners and things like that. Through most of her life, New Orleans, especially in the summertime, had an epidemic of the yellow fever. Okay, which was a yellow fever is not a not a pleasant thing, uh, especially in the summer months. Okay, it would be prevalent. Uh, also, cholera outbreaks would would happen all the time in New Orleans because of the filthy conditions. They just pump raw sewer into sewage into the mississippi okay there was always a lot of garbage and rats in the streets and things like that uh and her herbal medicines saved countless amount of people from cholera and the yellow fever okay uh so she was she it's unknown how many people she saved but some of the some of those diseases like i think uh i think yellow fever like if you get to it early i think you can knock it out so yeah. she she knew the symptoms, she knew how to treat it, okay, and she was credited for 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 saving a lot of people's lives. Now, most of her voodoo knowledge came from her mother and her mother before that, okay. But one person that has to be mentioned as a teacher was Dr. John. Okay, now I'm not talking about Dr. John the musician, okay, I'm talking about 
the real Dr. John, who the musician named himself after. Uh, he was the Grigri man, okay? Uh, he was a medicine man. He was uh, originally from Senegal in Africa, okay? And he set up shop. I believe he was in Haiti and then ended up in New Orleans and yeah. set up shop outside the quarter in the bayou area, okay? Um, and, you know, he, he was a Grigri man. He could He could do magic he could do the the spells and potions that marie laveau would know and learn and she would learn from him um he she at saint john's bayou um there's a, on saint john's eve okay which i believe is in june um they would have ceremonies and and you know he would preside over them uh he was a very tall muscular black man i believe he was bald uh, you know, wore wore a big hat and things like you know, like typical look. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now she was pretty much a student of him for a long time. He has an interesting history. If you look him up, I won't get into it too much. But he uh, he would eventually be like broke and have to be taken care of by his kids. Uh, wow. he, he extended his, he extended himself a little too far. He never trusted banks, and people ripped him off, and eventually he, he, he was penniless. But at the height of his power, he was he was somebody you didn't mess with, you know. Wow. And, you know, between the, between the two of them, you know, practicing at the same time, you know. Do you, so, ever, hear, do you ever hear about the misfits, the band of misfits going to a great job and getting arrested because they were like, so yeah. folks, if you go to her graveyard, you mark the an X and you like knock on the grave and this to grant you a wish. And once you grant you the wish, you come back, you circle the X, and yeah. you give her an offering, which is fucking bizarre to this day. There's still people. Well, people people still people still do it, but uh <laughs> let me just explain about her death for a minute and I'll get into that. Okay, uh, because there's been some changes in the last couple of years with this. Now on June 17th, 1881, Marie Laveau passed away. She was just short of her 80th birthday. Uh, she was still 79. And it was said that she died peacefully at home. Um, her funeral was lavish. Okay. And it was attended by a diverse, a diverse crew of people. Okay. You had everything from the elite white people of New Orleans to you know, the French Quarter blacks and, you know, everybody was there. Everybody was there. Um, now, it's believed that her daughter, Marie Laveau II, may have taken over the voodoo queen title either right before her mother's death or immediately after. Okay. There's an interesting thing about Marie Laveau II. Um, she's the one, legend says, that was really a little more evil than her mother. Okay, used voodoo for evil practices. And a lot of the, I think a lot of the legends of that time with Marie Laveau kind of like meshed together. There's a confusion as to who's who. Okay, mm. either the mother or the daughter. Okay. And I mean, in those days, people were having kids when they were, you know, they were on their fourth kid at 18. So yeah, she was probably, she was probably young looking and looked like her mother could pass for her mother and you know 
there's a lot of stories like after Marie Laveau died that she was seen, but some people say, no, that's really the daughter. Okay. So there's a lot of confusion as to who was who. Um, <clears throat> now you mentioned the, the tomb. She was buried in St. Louis cemetery. Number one There's actually two of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, now, in New Orleans, the tombs are above ground. You know that, right? Yeah. So, and the reason that is is because the water table is so high. You just, all you got to do is dig a foot and you got water. <clears throat> so they have to have all kinds of, uh, the, the, the burials have to be above ground. Otherwise, they wouldn't stay. They, when New Orleans was founded, they tried to bury people in, the, in regular cemeteries. Okay. First storm came along and washed all the dead people right back into the city. So, you know, they stopped doing that. Uh, very interesting, though. Like, when you go there, um, they, there's a bunch of tours. There's actual cemetery tours. And they tell you how the cemeteries are reused over and over and over. Okay. It isn't just like you you buried there. And you stay there, okay? There's a point when they will take you out when you're just bones and reuse you again, reuse the the the, the tomb again, okay? Wow. Usually, it's, usually it's the same family like that, but uh, in the days before embalming, you could walk near the St. Louis Cemetery and hear popping sounds. Strange sounds coming from the tombs because the bodies are, you know, rotting and decomposing in the heat, in the, and 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 it's inside of a brick tomb. It's almost like an oven. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, there's all kinds of haunted legend stories based on all that stuff. But with Marie Laveau, it became a tradition to go to her tomb and uh, put an X on it, like you said, and say a wish and if you got it you had to bring an offering back later on after you got your wish okay some kind of candle or food or something by her grave yeah. when you go there there's always gifts there's always things there there's candles there's, it's like it's like she died yesterday okay it's fucking weird it is weird now you you know you mentioned the misfits okay they did a show there in 1982 and got into the cemetery um and actually it's not what i had heard is it wasn't that tomb okay there's actually two spots that people say is her there's the one that has all the x's on it that everybody thinks is her yeah. but there's another tomb in st louis two cemetery which they don't like you to go to because it's like right next to the projects but i i've been in there Okay, I went there many years ago. It's only like another 15-minute walk or something from the first cemetery. It's very close, okay? But it is in an area that's all projects. But it isn't, you know, projects in New Orleans are like three-story looking, you know, they're not like the projects we have in, in New York. Nothing yeah, like that. Okay. 20 story. Yeah. Supposedly at the St. Louis 2 site that some people say is her um 
the misfits tried to break open that tomb. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine if they succeeded with it? What would you want to do? That? What are you going to do with that? Just pull if the I imagine off. you'd see the rich, it's just gangster, the, the, the red, uh, Frank Van and all these weird guys just breaking into a tomb. It's like pretty fucking funny, dude. Yeah. Let's take Zoom Marie Laveau. They would have oh, got in there and be like, <laughs> They would have sang Halloween or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was I think it was on Halloween or something. And they were playing that. <laughs> That's you know? pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. But um so that's all I got today on Marie Laveau. There's, there's you know the two books I mentioned. Okay, I'll, I'll mention it again. The Voodoo Queen by Robert Talant. And then this excellent book called The Magic of Marie Laveau. Uh two fascinating reads on the subject. Very interesting. Um, go to New Orleans. You, you, you'll see her presence. You'll feel her presence. She's she's part of the town. She's been dead for two hundred and uh, you know almost a hundred and hundred eight you know sixty years, whatever it is, hundred and forty years. Um, yeah. But you know, it's present. like it's like she's not. It's like she's not dead at all. That's pretty incredible. Yep. And and people still putting stuff in her grave like she died yesterday. Pretty impressive. Yes, yes. And uh people believe in her, you know. And uh there's something there, you know. I just you know I, what I wanted to do with this show was kinda downplay the voodoo a little bit and show the other stuff. You know, I thought that was that was a good thing to do because she was very very multi layered person, you know, it wasn't just yeah. voodoo. I'm being a hairdresser. I didn't realize that she was a hairdresser, but I, I knew she was a healer because she was an herbalist. So she'll get people teeth and stuff yeah. and help them out. Like if you had a cold, so you go to her and she put up a portion, you drank it, you felt better, which was pretty fascinating about that whole thing too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And being a hairdresser, she she could get pieces of your hair. There you go. Another interesting <laughs> thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> There was actually, uh, I believe there was some kind of law, not a law, I shouldn't say a law, but there was some kind of tradition that they didn't, hair salons didn't burn anybody's hair at, to get rid of it, so people would take it. So I'm not sure the exact thing, but you know, you could use hair in a ritual, right? Yeah. Like a piece of hair that you take yeah. just to. And Angela from. Angela Bassett in American Horror Story, she was a hairdresser. Yes, she was. That season, <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike. So another excellent. This concludes our Black History Month for uh, the month of February uh, for two uh, rock show and two uh, conspiracy show. Very interesting conspiracy. Uh, so, Mike, how can we get to you if we need to uh, reach you or contact you? Okay, I'm all over social media, uh, RockerMike212 on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook as RockoMike. And, of course, the Rock Show Podcast group page on Facebook. Look for that. I'm on Clout Hub and MeWe as RockerMike as well. Uh, and on the... On the uh, the MeWe site, I don't talk about the MeWe stuff too much, but uh, I do have a Conspiracy 420 page. If you find me as Rocker Mike and you look in my groups, 
Uh, and I do post all the conspiracy 420 shows there as well. Gets a gets a view here and there, you know. Gets a couple. Not many people on MeWe, but it's okay. Do you see the giant show? It hit a thousand views. Yep. And I was very slow at first. I was surprised. It took off somehow. I think because people got had to catch up for a while because they were like everything was very slow. But it was that weird after New Year's and stuff. I guess people now are going back to watching stuff. You know. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's all I got for you today, sir. What about you? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, drop a line at Getty Lumped Up, and um, I can answer you back, or uh, you can request a show or a topic that you want us to review, or even a rock show that you guys want us to do. But you can uh, reach me at anything Getty Lumped Up. And like always, people, remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Take care, people.